0: Look at everything like an ROI. Like, what's going to give me my biggest bang for my buck from a cash flow standpoint, and and that's a, a mindset that most people aren't taught because they're always taught, look at the interest rate. You know, like, no, look at the cash flow. How does that actually create your real bottom line here?
1: Hello, and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello, welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Daxheimer. With me today, I've got Chris Miles. Chris, how are you doing today? Great, Todd. How are you? I am fantastic. A little bit about Chris. He's the founder of Money Ripples, the host of the Chris Miles Money Show and the co-author of the book Entrepreneur on Fire. Chris is a leading authority on quickly creating wealth by increasing monthly cash flow and creating passive income. He has shown hundreds of thousands internationally how to free up or generate tens of thousands of dollars each year. Chris has a reputation for getting his clients fast proven results. And uh, many have had the option to retire in less than five to 10 years. And Chris himself was to be able to retire twice by the age 39. So Chris, I could keep going on. There's a lot there to unpack already. And I would like you to do that. I want you to talk about, you know, how, how are you teaching people how to increase their monthly cash flow, create that passive income and be able to retire in a pretty short amount of time. Cause that's, I think what a lot of people listening would love to get at.
0: Well, yeah. Now some of people have been stuck at home. They're kind of like, oh, I feel like I'm retired already. Right.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but not in a good way. Yeah. So, uh, Yeah. I mean, like, so, I mean, I kind of went through this whole transition. I used to be the financial advisor, the mainstream guy. Um, and I realized pretty quickly it doesn't work, right? Like Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter how you run the numbers. If you run them, honestly, you can never retire off of mutual funds, 401ks, all that stuff. It just doesn't work. Right. Um, but what I found out for myself, you know, where I, like you said, I was able to retire twice by the time I was 39. Right. Um, first time was in 2006, um, when I actually quit being a financial advisor and decided to do things more like my friends in real estate were doing, you know, and that sort of thing and people in business. And then, uh, the recession hit I went from millionaire to upside down millionaire and had to dig back out of that hole. So, I uh, uh, had to dig out of that pretty slowly. It took me a while, but, uh, by December, 2016, I dug out of that and was able to retire again. So, uh, that's kind of the short reader's digest version of it. Um, but I'll tell you the things I learned from doing it twice was that there's always common factors, right? Um, for example, you know, just from the cash flow side. I mean, there's two ways you can do it. There's either one is how do you increase the profit or your you know reduce expenses, increase income, um, even on the active side. And then there's of course the passive side, right? Uh, so you know, things to free up cash like one just tracking your money alone is a huge step in the right direction of finding more money, right? Um, So many people like they don't know exactly how much they make or bring in. They don't know how much is going out. They just kind of guess. They're like they're like Blinken from Robin Hood, Ben and Tights. If you remember the blind guy, right, the blind (laughs) servant, he's like up on the watchtower and he's like, "What are you doing up there?" I'm guessing. I'm guessing no one's coming. You know, it's kind of like that, right? It's it's everybody's kind of just guessing a little bit, and and now more than ever, it's so important to know exactly what's coming in, what's going out, and, and really just. Ensure that you're not just living on rice and beans like Dave Ramsey says, right? You you just act like you're broke. Don't do that, but just be a responsible steward. Like really understand like what's the most effective expenses I'm using here, whether it's business or personal. Um, How can I increase my income? Because that's really limitless, right? But looking at both sides of those equations. Um, Other ways, I mean, taxes is always a big one. Like often I find ways people free up money with taxes. Um, Especially right now, people don't realize like you can avoid a 10% penalty as long as you had. Something virus related, you know, happened to your situation, whether it be with work or with money, you can actually pull money out of your, your 401ks and IRAs without the 10% penalty, even if you're not 59 and a half, you know? Um, Plus we're in like the lowest tax bracket we've been in in decades. So this might be like your best time to get access to cash, you know? Um, Other things like debt. Um, I always tell people don't fear debt, um, but do respect it. Right. Um,
1: Great advice. Yeah.
0: You know, cause you get people that, you know, they, they say they're investors, but they're really gamblers. Uh, those people shouldn't have more debt, right? Like they're just going to blow it and screw it up. They're like the ones that I've seen. that are almost like the you know people that showed up, showed up in the last three or four years as real estate investors. And they're, and they, and of course they just jumped and went, they kind of went, went big so they could go home. Right. They like, like, I want to buy a massive apartment complex, but they've never once done it before. They have never been through a full recession cycle, you know, like like we have over the last couple of decades. And so those are the ones that are going to get their butts handed to them, you know, these next several months. Right. Um, so those people, again, debt's not good, but for the right person, debt's awesome. You know, like for example, last month when I knew that what's going on with everything in the economy and with banks, I'm like, I've seen this before. I know banks are going to cut back their lines of credit, especially on home equity stuff. So I'm like, I'm cashing it all out. I took it all out of there, which people, with the Dave Ramsey mentality would say, Chris, that's risky. You shouldn't do that. Like, how are you going to make the payments? All that interest. I'm like, listen, you pull a hundred thousand bucks. It costs you three hundred fifty bucks a month right now. Like, how long could I pay three hundred fifty dollars a month with a hundred grand of cash? Like, I can go forever, right? For one, two, I can leverage and make a lot more cash flow with a hundred grand than three hundred fifty bucks a month, and especially yeah. in my real estate. Yeah. So that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm buying. I'm under contract right now with buying three properties to go throw that money into to make more than double the cash flow, you know, um, and that kind of thing. I mean, some people might say that's risky, but it depends. Like if you're a gambler, you bet it's best, I mean, You bet it's totally risky, but if you're actually like very, I like, to say, like, I like to say this, like when people are operators, you know, when they do real estate is, you know, if they do the same thing as boring over and over, that's good. Like boring is sexy. You know, like if you, if you've done the same real estate deal over and over and over, like you can do it with your eyes closed. That is seriously the best thing you could possibly do with your money, you know? So that's kind of my feelings on that. So again, debt, you know, you could use it in different ways. There are some people that have pay off debt. You know, if there's high payment versus a, a balance ratio, I call it a cash flow index where I divide the balance of the loan into, and well, I divide the minimum month of payment into the balance of the loan and I'll get a number. The lower the number, the more I want to pay it off. So like yesterday, I had a guy that he had two different $2,800 Loans, right? He had a credit card that's twenty eight hundred bucks. He He's paying seventy four bucks a month on, and then he had a a uh, what was it? It was like a it was like an installment loan or something, right? It was, and that one was two hundred and eighty two bucks a month. So I was like, hey, it, common sense would say, especially if you look at real life, if I'm going to have only twenty eight hundred bucks, and I had to pick between these two, regardless of the interest rate, I'll ignore it. I will go for the one that's two hundred eighty two bucks a month. I will pay off that loan yep. versus. The seventy-four dollar a month credit card, even though the credit card might have been a higher interest rate, it doesn't matter. I'm going to free up two hundred eighty-two bucks a month. That's a lot more freedom and flexibility than you know. Because you think about it, if if something happens where expenses go up or income comes down, which has not happened at all to anybody in the last month, right or two, you know, if that happens, I would much rather be paying seventy-four bucks a month than two hundred eighty-two bucks a month, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there's different things. I look at everything like an ROI. Like, what's going to give me my biggest bang for my buck from a cash flow standpoint, and and that's a, a mindset that most people aren't taught because they're always taught, look at the interest rate. You know, like, no, look at the cash flow. How does that actually create your real bottom line here? You know, and that goes with pa- creating passive income. It's the same thing. You know.
1: Yeah. So so you're not fearing debt. You're you're respecting, like you say, you're using mm-hmm. it. You're actually using it to your advantage. Um, right. You're not getting rid of it. Uh, what, do you, what do you think about, you know, there, there's this whole real estate thing uh, about paying the debt off as quickly as mm-hmm. possible versus continuing to leverage your property long term?
0: You know, people would say if you try to pay it off aggressively, that's the safe thing to do. I think it's the riskiest thing you can do. Because that's what I learned from the last recession. Because I used to do that, right? Like that was my strategy the last re- before the last recession hit. I was putting all the extra money towards principal. Well, when crap hits the fan, you know, and then banks won't let you get money out. And that's the thing I always thought is worst case, I can always get a line of credit against a property, right? Mm -hmm. But when I couldn't do that anymore, and then I'm trying to sell it, and then everybody else is trying to sell. And so basically, you're like, now you went from a place of equity to a place of being upside down, because you're trying to sell it in the wrong market. That's extremely risky. Because until it's fully paid off,
1: you're at risk still and it, paying that same mortgage amount every single month.
0: Exactly. And then the, the bigger the mortgage payment, the more risk you're taking. So those people are trying to do like 10, 15 year loans risky. See, everybody's saying they're the safe ones. They're the conservative people. As I always hear, like, I'm more conservative. Like, no, you're a risk taker. You probably putting money in a 401k and gambling your money in the stock market too. Aren't you? Like, <laughs> like I'm conservative. No, you're not. You are a gambler and you're guaranteed that you're probably going to lose yeah. in the end because yeah. you're taking too much risk. And you're planning on this perfect world, always working out. I plan on expecting the best, but preparing for the worst, right? I want that cash and the equity in my own hands, even if it's in savings. I know that if I have that money in my hands, that's power. But if that money's out of my hands, especially under a bank's control, because the bank says whether or not you can actually get to that equity in that property, yeah. that's not a good place to be. You just turned over all your power and control and you've lost it. You've actually lost the ability to create real freedom. Um, so, Am I against people paying off their mortgages? No, I'm not. But I am against like if that's like your whole thing. like You're just throwing all your money into that. Now you're, you're playing with fire because next thing you know, you're going to need that money. And the only time that banks will never give you money is when you need it. They only give it to you when you want it. But when you need money, that's when they'll say, nope, you're high risk. We're not going to give it to you.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, pay, pay off your loan, that's fine, but do it in the 25 or the 30 years that the loan yeah. is set up for and just make your yeah. regular payments and then keep some of that cash. So you have right. it to reinvest or you have it to, you know, weather a storm like we're dealing with right now. And that, and those are the people yeah. that are going to get hurt, are the people that have no reserves at all right now. And they're mm-hmm. sitting here going, I hope my tenants pay their mortgage because if they don't, I'm hosed. Yeah, I'm <laughs> hosed. I hope this SBA yeah. stuff comes through or whatever. Um, yeah. That's a bad position to be in.
0: It is. You're, you're not in a position of power. You're in a position of desperation. And when you're desperate and when you're emotional, that's when you make the worst decisions, right? I mean, if you're not sure, ask your spouse. Because whenever you've been emotional, I'm sure you said stupid things and you, you're like, okay, you're in the doghouse now, right? <laughs> it's the same thing with money. You cannot be in a place where it puts you in a place of desperation. You want to be in a place of power. And having that cash in your control is where the power is.
1: Cool. What what kind of lesson did you learn in 2006? Because you were you were young, you retired, uh, you're doing your own thing, and then 2006 came, smacked you around pretty good. <laughs> um, and you know, but now you're in a different position. So, what kind of lessons did you learn? From that, and how have you just implied that into your regular day life and your business, and uh, and moving forward now? Uh, how has it How has it changed?
0: Yeah, I mean, I definitely like we just talked about, right? Having that cash in your hand, like I would have been so much better off had I not paid all the extra money to the equity of my home. Yeah, I would have been better, right? Like having cash reserves is key. Um, I mentioned tracking money earlier. That was one of the, something I wasn't doing after I retired in two thousand six. And then when late 2007 hit, I couldn't get access to equity or anything else, right? And I was, I was in the hole each month. I found out I was actually in the hole like 16000 a month, um, wow. not just because, not because of debt necessarily, although I had some of that. It was actually just because I launched a brand new business in 2007, had lots of overhead, again, not tracking my money. And the next thing I know, I, when I actually looked at it, I said, wow, between my home and my business, I had about 21000 22000 a month of expenses but I was only bringing in five or 6,000 a month. And that was like, Whoa, that's not a good place to be, you know? Um, So, I mean, tracking your money when you, even when you, when money is abundant, when it feels like air, like there's so much of it, keep tracking it, like really be a wise steward of your money. Um, Third point uh, was, was really what led up to that is make sure you are creating multiple streams of income. Like you got to have that. See, what I did right in 2006 is I had multiple streams of income that allowed me to say, hey, I could retire working three or four hours a week. This is awesome, right? But um, the thing is, in 2007, I decided to come out of retirement to teach what I had learned to get people out of the rat race. And I did it with some partners. And one of the partners said, listen, if you want to be a a good game player here, um, you need to make sure that you're focused all in on this. So get rid of your other streams of income. And I listened to him dumbest thing I could have ever done. Right. Cause those other streams of income is where there was freedom. Cause that's why I always tell people is this cash flow creates options. I and mean, when you have more options, that's where you have real financial freedom. And see, I cut those off, you know, to say, Hey, I'm all in, I'm coming out of retirement I'm working out of an office again, you know, and we're going to be in this, we're going to, we're going to make people financially free. And then within a year, especially as we we're focusing on real estate investors who are more gamblers in the real estate market, not good real estate investors, Yeah. Um, it was like the perfect storm. I wasn't making money from them because they didn't have any money. My yep. income streams are already cut off, and that's why I was only making five or six thousand a month. But I had twenty one, twenty two thousand expenses. Yeah. But had I been wise, had I actually said no, I'm going to secure these multiple streams of income, whether it's residual through business or passive through investments, it would have been a much different story. Having that, having extra cash, I would have weathered it just fine. Which is what I've spent the last decade. Doing again as a rebuild, right? It was like, okay, I want to make sure there are always multiple streams of income. I could truly retire, not have to. I'm only working part time, actively, you know. Um, I'm like working maybe twenty, twenty five hours a week doing what I do with my podcast and everything else. And uh, but you know, that's the thing is like, even if a couple of my income streams got cut off, I've got fifteen, sixteen total income streams. So even if I lost three, I still got another dozen to help out. And and that's such a different place of power and confidence than it was you know 12 years ago when all of a sudden I realized I'm out of money I'm out of credit like I've got nothing I just have to get resourceful right I have to get really creative to figure out how I can even feed my family you know that's I mean that's it was that bad it was literally at the point where my wife at that time was saying you know what Maybe I should pack up the kids and move in with my sister so you can figure this crap out and you know and I'm like no like you guys leaving would be the worst depressing thing you could do for me right now you know like I need that support, you know, and (laughs) it was, it was just such a hard time and it didn't have to be, but, but I'm grateful for it because I had not gone through it. I would not be preaching what I'm preaching for the last decade, telling people to do, which is create passive and multiple streams of income. And, you know, of course, protect yourself, have that liquidity, have everything that really right now creates confidence for me will create confidence for somebody else.
1: Yep. Yep. Absolutely. The, the, the reserves, that liquidity, so important. And Mm then yeah, multiple streams of income is great because, you know, as you were doing this uh, consulting coaching um, that shut that shut off, you know, and certain things shut off during a recession and other things actually go the opposite during a recession. They go, they go up. And if you have those multiple streams, especially different types of streams of income that are going to be you know, active during a recession and others that are, yeah, maybe going to go away or or be not, not doing too well. It's it's nice having that. Um, It kind
0: of brings up a bonus point. If I were to make one more. Yeah. Is that, that I learned is, you know, when I talk about getting resourceful, right. I mean, I always tell people it's principles first strategy, second in that order. Right. Um, Strategies are something that changes with time. Like, you know, whether you pay off your mortgage or not, or, your, or any loans for that matter or not, whether you pay off debt is a strategy, not a principle. The principle behind that strategy would be, that's a true principle is, you know, produ- you know creating more than you consume, right? Producing more than you consume, you know, create, you know, creating more income than what you're spending in that sense, right? That's the real principle behind it. You know, when people talk about paying off debt as a principle, it's not. Well, one principle I learned from a business standpoint that was essential was, you know, of course, I was teaching people how to get out of the rat race and, and then in 2008, I'm like, I'm back in it. How can I keep teaching people this and be in integrity? And I'm not, the, I, I'm the kind of person, like I will only teach what I practice. So if I don't practice it, I'm not going to teach it. Right. And so, so I basically said, I can't do this anymore. I can't teach this way. Well, what can I teach? What are people asking for right now? And the true principle behind that is dollars follow value, right? Dollars follow the value you create for other people. If you want to weigh through any recession, depression, or boom times, that it's the same principle that applies and creates wealth no matter what kind of period you're in is that the, the amount of weight, how you can actually create value for people. How can you solve problems, serve people, you know, answer questions or provide some, some solution in a way that they want to exchange money for that solution or for that, that service. Right. Yeah. And so, so I pivoted in that moment. I said, okay, I'm not going to teach about getting people out of the rat race. Because most people their 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 concern wasn't about the rat race anymore. Their concern was surviving and getting to the rat race again. Right. <laughs> they they thought the rat race was better than what they were experiencing where they were going in the hole. And a lot of them even say, Chris, I would love to hire you, but I can't I don't have money. I don't I can't find any money to pay you with. Yep. And I remember thinking in the back of my head, I wouldn't say this out loud, but I remember thinking, Okay, I'm over a million dollars in debt. i guarantee I'm in a worse position than you are. I bet you I could find the money. Because if I were in your position, I would be grateful right now. <laughs> So I would tell them, I was like, listen, if I can help you find the money, you know, would you then hire me? They said, well, well yeah, of course. I'm like, great. And so I would find money for people and that became my thing was about this whole cash flow process. And that even led to my my ebook on my site, you know, uh, moneyripples.com, right? Like, you know, I had that whole ebook there from that period of time, which was how did I personally get resourceful to find money? And then I just applied it to everybody else, Right. And uh, and that boomed the business. It, it took it from almost bankruptcy all of a sudden to thriving. You know, there towards the end of the recession. You know, and and I think that's key. Even right now, is that you got to always be listening to people saying well, what is it they're asking for? Like, where are the problems they keep bringing up? And right now, there's definitely plenty of people whining about problems, right? Which means there's an opportunity to create wealth, the opportunity to create more solutions. And yeah. even if you're a real estate investor, listen for that as well, because if you start hearing people freak out about something in the real estate market, that's probably going to be your next opportunity to be able to create, you know, either create solutions for them or it might be the very thing you're going to be buying because they're going to be freaking out. You're going to be the one taking off their hands and helping them out. And then you get this great screaming deal. That's going to get you this awesome returns, you know? So that's kind of how I see it. Like that's got to be the key thing is always coming back to how can I provide solutions?
1: Yeah. And you're so right. I mean, the real estate industry, I just, I just wrote an article on it and there's so many potential opportunities out there. You look at you mm-hmm. say, oh, I'm glad I don't have that investment because it's getting hit really hard. But guess what? Yeah. That investment is now a new opportunity. That's right. When the dust settles or as the dust starts to settle, that's your new opportunity. And so look at some of those things, look at where and and the other thing too is is I was talking to somebody and they said well you know that during the last recession some of these paradigm shifts that happened, and there was no turnkey rentals and and millennials didn't want to buy single family houses well there's Mm -hmm. going to be paradigm shifts during this so there's opportunities and we got to pay attention to what people are thinking what people are wanting and if we can do that we can solve problems as you said and once we solve problems that's where the value is. Follow the value. Follow the dollars. Follow the value that you can create. So create that value and fill those gaps. I think that's beautiful. That's a key Um, thing.
0: I mean, that's, if you think about from an investment standpoint, doing the opposite is exactly what you should be doing, right? When everybody's fleeing and running away, that's where your best opportunities are. So when people tell me, Chris, like now's the time to buy in the stock market, right? Because dollar cost averaging, you know, and everybody says it. That's how you know that's the wrong opportunity. Yeah. Plus, I've never seen the market tank in 1 month for a recession. I've never known of a 1 month recession before. Like yeah. it's always been 2 or 3 years before it hits bottom and then climbs back up. Like this is the worst time to buy in the stock market. Yeah. But everybody's saying, well, "This is the time to buy." Nope, because everybody's saying it, that's why it's not the time to buy.
1: And there might be some value stocks that you should be looking at. Um, mm-hmm. you know, but it just how most people invest especially. It's like Oh yeah. It's just
0: there's yeah. high risk low returns
1: right 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 so you know i'm sure i know there's there's plenty of listeners here that they, they want to buy this piece of real estate they want to buy a big apartment mm-hmm. building they want to just buy real estate in general real estate takes money and yeah. a lot of people don't have an extra 30 50 or a million dollars sitting around so mm-hmm. they want to get there for someone just starting out you're you're helping them Create these tactics to, you know, get there. We've talked about a lot of things already, but what are some ways somebody can get that capital to be able to invest in their first real estate deal, or maybe they want to buy a business or whatever it is they you know want to do? How do you help those people get there to where they can buy? Because we don't have that, you know, like I said, that hundred K sitting around.
0: Yeah, that's where I kind of go with the, the recent advice I've been giving in the last month has been get lean, get liquid, and get out. Right. You know, getting lean, we already talked about like just really finding out like, you know, how can you tighten the belt? Like how can you really find the essential expenses you need to be, you know, paying for, right? Um, it might just mean like, hey, maybe I put a student loan in deferment If you've got a student loan or whatever it might be, you know, like just looking for creative ways to lower your overhead so that you don't have to have this big monthly nut to crack, right? Yep. Just create as much free cash that you can start saving right now. Um get liquid. You know, I talked about like the HELOC, right? Like home equity line of credit. If you've got equity in your home, and by the way, home equity lines of credit will probably be cut back within the next few weeks, right? So you'll be lucky if you don't just act right away, you probably won't be able to get to that money. So if you're like a lot of people who actually have a home right now, you probably have equity. Look at getting it. If you have an open line of credit, get it out. Like I like I did last month, I pulled that money out just to, so I could hold on to it And even if that means I wait months, even though I'm not with that money, but I know some people they're pulling the money out. They're like, I don't think I want to do anything quite yet. Great. Give it three or six months. I guarantee it will be a whole new world of opportunity and, and within the next six months. So, so why,
1: why pull it out versus letting it sit in the account?
0: Sit in the, in the home equity line of credit.
1: Yeah. So you got the home equity line. It's been approved, right? It's a hundred thousand or 500, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, And but why would you take that hundred thousand out and then have to pay the three fifty or whatever your payment is a month versus mm-hmm. just leaving it in there waiting for the opportunity to then take it?
0: Because that's why I said like this is where it's timely right now because I guarantee within the next few to several weeks, banks will cut all those lines of credit.
1: So they'll say you can't it, you have the line of credit, you just can't take the money.
0: Yeah, like uh like give you an example. I mean, I had this happened to lots of my clients in the last recession, right? So one client in particular, she was counting on that money. So she had a $41,000 balance. She had an $84,000 line of credit, right? Mm-hmm. And she was just going to leave that available. She was actually going to launch new business. So she's just like, yeah, I'm going to leave it there. And then all of a sudden, no warning, which is what, what always happens, right? No warning. The bank said, sorry, we're now cut your limit from 84 down to 42, Wow. And I did so now she only had a $1,000 you know buffer there. They basically cut it down to her balance, right? Yeah. Um on top of that, um it also hurt her credit because now it made it look like she was maxing out her line of credit, right? Mm. Um so that's the thing I learned is that it's not really your money. Just because you have an open line of credit, and I'm not saying you do this with credit cards necessarily because that's a different story. The cash flow wise, there's higher payments. So yeah. that could be kind of yeah, risky. Yeah, but yeah. Home equity lines credit are dirt cheap right now. I mean, like I said, hundred thousand bucks might cost you three hundred and fifty bucks a month, you know? So for that kind of price, like it's worth it having that money in my control, then I can then access and do something with. And I mean, think of it this way, as long as my property I put hundred grand down on can make me at least three hundred and fifty bucks a month, I've won, right? Yeah. Which, if you can't make 350 bucks a month, you're not doing real estate investing right at all. Like, you, you obviously suck at it. <laughs> like, you know, you, you must be buying in California or something, you know, if that's the <laughs> case. You know, so, so that's my point is, like, you know, you could have that open line of credit, but I can assure you, you're going to hear in the news about all these banks cutting back on those lines of credit where you won't have that availability anymore. And now the equity's trapped in your home. You've lost that opportunity.
1: Got it. Got it. So would you suggest if somebody had, if they were able to, and now they got to act fast, obviously, and that might Mm -hmm. still be too late, but if they act fast and they were able to pull, let's call it 200,000 versus Uh a hundred thousand, would you say take that 200 or would you say be conservative with that? How how, would you do?
0: Yeah, I would take that 200. um, And then I would say, all right, am I the right steward of my money? Like would would I actually be wise with this? If not get help, like seek, guidance on that because you don't want to gamble that money. That's the thing. Right. And, and that doesn't matter if it's in in debt or if it's even your cash savings. My personal opinion is you never, ever want to gamble with your money. Like you don't want to, you know, I mean, sure. Maybe you buy that Bitcoin for 500 bucks. Bucks, Great. Awesome. That's teeny amounts, right? Yeah. But yeah. you know, when you got a significant amount of cash, I don't want to lose a dime. You know, like that's always my goal is never, I'd rather have a return of my money than a return on my money. But obviously I get both. I want a return of and a return on. So again, like I always want to say use caution. Um, But if you don't know what to do with it, then, you know, then find a way to figure out how to learn to do something with it. If, uh, if you do know how to do something with it, then you probably can't get enough money anyways. (laughs) Like you probably have more opportunities than you have cash for it, you know? So, so that's why I say that's get liquid, right? Like get that money out. Uh, The other thing, get out would be um, like getting out of your mutual funds. You know, the stock market, like I said, it's not at the bottom. I'm not saying you legally, we should do, be telling you to do that. That's our disclaimer for this show. We're not recommending you cash out your stocks or mutual funds or IRAs or 401ks. But I will say this, that if you're looking for an opportunity to access that money, because you're saying, hey, I want to retire before I'm 59 and a half, right? Um, and you're thinking, hey, I, I might have opportunity to be able to buy real estate or wherever it might be. This might be your perfect time to get that money out, especially like I said, you can avoid that 10% penalty. You know, if you were affected by the virus in any way with your work or with your finances, um, and you know, this, the tax rates right now are really low. So, um, this might be the best year of all if you're going to try to access monies like that and and use that in a way for these opportunities over this recession, which there will be great opportunities. I mean, how many of us wished we could go back to 2008? Or 2009 and buy more properties, right? I mean, yep. I wish I was in that position. Instead of trying to battle for my life at that time, you know, I would have been much better if I was in the position I'm in today back then, because it would have made millions and millions of dollars a difference in my life just yeah. because of that thing. This could be the very opportunity. You've got cash there. That's again, the stock market in the SP 500 has averaged less than seven and a half percent over the last 30 years. I mean. That's with all the ups and downs, right? And all that kind of stuff. I mean, 7.5% is a crappy return. That's why you can never retire on mutual funds. Yeah. Why not get in something better where like my goal, even if I do turnkey real estate properties, my goal is always to make at least 1% a month. Right,
1: right. Yeah, you, you should be able to beat that 7% pretty easily. easily.
0: Yeah, if not, then you need to find somebody who will tell, tell you or teach you how to do it because it's not hard to do. It's not
1: hard to do, Yeah. Yeah, and and I can tell you by experience. I mean, I started in 2008, and I started with very little education and very little money. Um, And boy, do I wish I would have had the education that I have now and the uh, availability of capital that I have now, because it would be a lot different, right? Mm -hmm. But then I look at now and I go, okay, we we might be in a similar position. Uh, We don't know. There's a lot still to play out. But yeah. we know that there's going to be opportunity, no matter what, there's going to be opportunity that'll come out of this. So what Definitely. is it and what are you going to be able to take advantage of? And so That's doing right. these things that you're teaching us today is super important to be able to get lean, get that liquidity, and then get some of your money out to be able to access um, yeah. and, and and be able to take advantage of some of those opportunities. And like you said, we're not, telling anybody they need to take money out of their uh, 401k but if that's a, an opportunity that you want to look at now might be a great time to look at it
0: it's an option you may not have considered or maybe you were afraid to consider because everybody keeps telling you your whole life don't ever touch that retirement money put it away lock it up don't even watch the ups and downs like just you know over time it'll be fine and that's the perfect sales job if you think about it right like don't even let me look at your money. Just hope that someday it actually will work out for you. Right, right. And I can tell you from my experience of like 20 years, you know, the first four of those years being a financial advisor, it won't work. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't work out well. And now we have plenty of baby boomers proving that saying, I'll just keep working longer. Or I actually had one tell me just a few weeks ago, texted me. He said, Oh my goodness. Like I just lost 20%. Like that's 200 grand of my million dollars I lost. I was going to retire next year, even with a pension. He had a pension too, by the way. He's like, I was going to retire, but maybe I'm going to wait another five years and keep working. It's like, no, like get away from that stuff. Like that's exactly the, that's what happened to my dad in 2000. He was about to retire in the early two thousands and it took him another 15 years where he'd actually retire because of the market doing this. Right. And it finally recovered by 2015 from 2000, took 15 years to get back to where it was again. Like that's, that's not the kind of place you want to have your money. That's you can't sleep at night with that. I know retirees right now that can't sleep with that kind of money, but I can tell you, I sleep great even with the whole rental situation that could change. I'm still having renters are paying just fine. You know, like I love that. I love the fact that I have something that's essential. It's a real asset. Um, It's not something that, you know, Trump tweets and then I lose 2% of my account because he says something weird on Twitter, right? Like I don't have that problem. I love it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 not this emotional roller coaster that you're dealing with the, with mm-hmm. the stock market. And you know, I mean I, I get the whole let's put your money into this into this four oh one K and leave it. Uh it's maybe okay advice for some people that are lazy and they mm-hmm. don't want to they don't they just don't want to think about it or they just don't have the capacity to think about it but if exactly. anybody that's listening to this show is not <laughs> that type of person so they're not be <laughs> well they're not they're just not they're yeah. not listening to the show for a for you know maybe this is their first episode they will never listen again but, <laughs> but the people that actually are listening Mm-hmm. To the show are wanting to truly make that difference, and the 401 right. boxes is, is you just the set it and forget it is just not it's not a strategy. It's it's not a strategy. Period. Uh, that set it and forget it just makes no sense.
0: No, no, it doesn't work with anything. If if it again true principles, right? If true principles always work no matter what, they also work across different aspects of life, right? Like high risk creates high returns. You know, when the last time like if I took high risk with my health, would I get better health? right? For a time to do that with our money. If I took high risk in my marriage, does that mean I'm going to remain married? No, I'm going to get divorced. Right. And you know, same thing with this. Like, you know, if you think that you're going to set it, forget it, you're going to ignore it. I I guarantee whatever you ignore will leave you. So if you say, Hey, I'm going to ignore my kids. Oh yeah. They'll turn out to be great adults. No, your, your, your money cannot grow up either. Like if you ignore it, it won't grow up to be anything great. You need to be a wise steward of that money, get it in your control, make great wealth of it.
1: Try to, try to set it and forget it with your spouse. <laughs> See <what> exactly. <laughs> yeah, she'll forget you too. <laughs> right, right. Uh, that's good. Good stuff. Um, well, you know, a t- ton of great information so far. Um, I want to hit on, on you for just a second with your mm-hmm. businesses. Um, what are, what are kind of maybe give us two or three key factors for success of growing a business that you maybe haven't hit on so far?
0: Yeah. Um, you know, big thing is if there's a great book that I recommend, it's called the pumpkin plan by Mike Michalowicz. Right. Um, he is the same one that did profit first. If you ever heard that book, which that's also a great book too. Um, if you're thinking from a business standpoint, but the pumpkin plan was great because he talked about how those prize winning pumpkins that get to be humongous, that get on the news. I mean, there's a very specific process. Um, if you were to skip past some of the stuff they do besides buying seeds that cost $100,000 from New Brunswick, right? To just to grow these, hope to grow a big pumpkin, prize-winning pumpkin. You know, the one thing they do is as the pumpkins grow, they chop off the smallest ones, right? And then eventually you're left with just one big pumpkin that that one vine is feeding into versus all these other pumpkins. And I see that with business too, is that if you can just really hone in and focus like do what you do best that you know zone of genius as some people would call it right or the ikigai, you know if you talk about japanese you know like you know kind of mixing all that together if you pour all that into that one area and that's how i actually got myself to go from 50 60 hours a week of work to like five to ten hours a week of work and i was making like triple or well actually triple the revenue but i was making like almost deck tuple like almost 10x the profits you know because I just went to like, what's the, really the most efficient, effective thing I could be doing? Everything else is just extra fluff, right? It's just yeah. extra busyness. Let's get rid of all that, focus and hone in. And I'll tell you, like, when you're looking from an active stream income standpoint, that that's one of the most fun things. Because you don't just create more profit, you create more time. And I think that's what's essential is how do you really create that life that you yeah. want, that real lifestyle that goes with it? Cause and you know this, I mean, we know probably plenty of guys in the real estate space. They've got massive businesses. They could be making like millions and millions of dollars a year, especially if they're like wholesalers or flippers or whatever, but they have no life. Like they're tethered to their millions. Right. Yeah. And I don't believe that. I think we can actually create the ideal life that we want, you know, with, we can live by choice, not by force and, uh, and have great, you know, just great, you know, a great way of living and great wealth too. So you can have it all.
1: That's cool. That's awesome. Um, what, what's, um, what's the daily habit that you have?
0: Uh, you know, every day I, I do kind of like Tony Robbins version of like the hour of power, right? Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily an hour, but, um, every day I wake up, I exercise like three days a week. I run, I'm actually a marathoner, you know, three days a week. I do strength training. Uh, I rest on Sundays. You know, I, I do things like read, you know, scriptures, like Christian scriptures and things like that. I pray I meditate um i mean all this kind of stuff right keep learning you know like learn my my trade and that sort of thing i mean i always try to start the day off powerfully so that it just sets the course for my whole day and uh i i say that that's the one thing i did even during the recession from before that actually got me through it because i had to keep a, a level head and the only thing i could do is say well i'm not winning financially right now or in my business but at least i can win from the very first hour or so of the day you know at least i can do this and create a win from the get-go and then try to carry that momentum forward while I'm struggling with my own brain and what's going on.
1: Yeah. The power of that habit. And those of you who are maybe find yourself in that uh, right now, right. Due to, due to mm-hmm. what's going on, uh, getting those habits, if you didn't have them formed prior to this, uh, get those formed. get that, that morning routine, that daily routine set up because that's so powerful. Like you said, it sets you up for the rest of the day to be able to, Pull through, even though your brain is everywhere else. At least it allows you to, to kind of set yourself up the right way for, for the start of the day. Uh, so that's that's really powerful. That's cool. Um, you know, I've already I already asked you. I guess if you've already answered a book. Maybe uh, I usually ask, what's your favorite book? So you mentioned the Pumpkin Plan. Is there another book that you'd recommend to our our listeners?
0: Yeah, I'm trying to think of one you haven't heard because you probably have always had people talk about thinking to rich yeah, or rich yeah. dad poor dad, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Science of Getting Rich by Wallace Waddles is a good favorite. Mm. Um, it's 100 years old, but I mean he was he was actually kind of the the guy that came before Napoleon Hill, right? Okay. With, with writing that book, and it's a short read but very powerful information in there. Um, cool. Another one I really like is by Norman Vincent Peale, which is called Positive Imaging.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, that I'll tell you, like, if I've ever created like broken through barriers or past beliefs and and created new money, like, like broken money barriers, like, like income barriers and stuff like that, it's because I've been able to create an image of it in my mind to hold on to it. And so that, that book talks a lot about that too. Awesome.
1: Awesome. Uh, Last question before we wrap up, what are your three pillars of wealth creation?
0: You know, I'd say it's this, is we can almost encapsulate this whole episode, right? Um, number one, first and foremost, create value, right? Like be a value creator, be a creator, not just a consumer, right? Yep. Uh, number two is, uh, is have cash, like have those reserves. Uh, I guess if you were to encapsulate that, be a wise steward, right? Be a wise steward of your money. This would be like the book, if you were to encapsulate all of that into one thing, it'd be like the book, um, Richest Man in Babylon, Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. If you were to throw that all in there, that would be in that pillar. Yep. And the third one is, is grow your wealth, like grow it um, with low risk, you know, low risk creates high returns. That's my thing. So it's always how to grow and increase stewardship.
1: Awesome. awesome. So create That's value, awesome
0: manage stewardship, and then grow stewardship.
1: There awesome. you go. Definitely. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, Chris, uh, definitely appreciate it. Tons of value. How can our listeners uh, reach out to you learn more about what you got going on and connect with you?
0: Yeah, you do. One of two ways. Uh, one, you can go to my website, moneyripples.com. That's M-O-N-E-Y-R-I-P-P-L-E-S.com. Uh, you can check out stuff there. Um, and then of course, there's my, my podcast, The Chris Miles Money Show that I invite you to check out as well.
1: Awesome and uh that's on i'm assuming itunes and everywhere all the listening. all those apps yep awesome well chris again appreciate it you have a fantastic rest of the day
0: you too thanks todd
1: a special thanks to chris miles for joining us on the show i appreciate uh tons of value that he was able to provide us and uh, a couple things that really took out of this uh, first of all he talked about uh, tracking your expenses and and you know really getting to know your income expenses at all times it's something that a lot of us just ignore and we really should be digging in and figuring out where our expenses are what we need to cut back and what we can cut back because sometimes um you know it could be quite simple i mean you might have signed up for some subscription you forgot about it or whatever it might be but just tracking your expenses and your income and understanding what's coming in, what's going out. Uh, he talked about don't fear debt, but respect it. And I thought that was really interesting. I thought some of the things that he was talking about were, were things I haven't thought about, uh, especially you know paying down that debt. A lot of us will make extra payments and think that's a good thing. Um, but then if times get bad and you don't have that cash reserve, then all of a sudden you're in a really big bind. And so making sure you understand what you're actually doing at all times is gonna be really important with that debt. And the last thing he really talked about is, uh, you know, the, the multiple streams of income, just knowing that multiple streams of income is obviously gonna really help. There's gonna be certain businesses that are gonna be strong at times and other businesses that aren't gonna be as strong or investments and stuff. So just having that multiple streams of income Really important uh, honestly tons of other great values so go back and listen to it and pick out you know a couple things I would say pick out one to two things that you can really focus on over the next uh, you know few weeks and you could take from this episode and really apply it into your business or into your daily life. I'm Todd Dexhammer. I'm signing out Thanks a lot for joining me make every day Saturday.